Hello, everyone. Welcome back to Deep Dives Podcast with Sophie Jubilier and William Meyer. And today we're here with one of our guidance counselors from our high school, Mr. Lemon. So if you'd like to say a quick hi. Hey, guys. Thanks for having me on today. I appreciate it. So Mr. Lemon is, as I said, one of our guidance counselors. And today we're going to talk about, obviously, some things, mental health, college, some typical things that a guidance counselor might go through with a student and some insight for students who may be listening. So first question we have is just tell us a little bit background on what you do and what your job entails. So I've been a counselor. This is my 15th year here at Radnor as a counselor. Um, I would say in terms of like what we do, there's a couple of sort of umbrellas of things that are our focus usually. One is sort of like academic planning, right? Scheduling from year to year, trying to take classes that make sense for you, making connections between what you take and what your long-term goals or plans are. Um, doing some work with kids around sort of college and career preparation, you know, talking mm -hmm. a little bit about, you know, the college application process, what that looks like, trying to be thoughtful about helping kids make plans for what they do after high school. And then the third thing is sort of what I'll call social emotional stuff, um, working to support kids when they're struggling with something. Um, you know, we're not therapists, but we do, you know, does sometimes feel like that's the role we play in in some cases in working with kids mm -hmm. so yeah um, I would say those are sort of the three main like umbrellas of work that we do mm -hmm. so. so there's definitely a lot to juggle as a counselor is what it seems and I know there's the whole counseling department is getting revamped next year yeah. so I don't know how that's gonna exactly change I know next year they're doing like a career counselor college and then again social emotional counselor yeah. do you think how do you think that will like change your job it's really, it's going to be interesting because I think one of the things that, you know, the last couple of years, one of the things that we've seen is a, a, a pretty significant increase in student mental health needs. You know, I think, I think there's a lot of complicated reasons, COVID being one of them. I don't know. I don't think that's the only reason, but I think that's a, that's a piece of the puzzle. But we've seen a pretty significant increase over the last couple of years in, <clears throat> you know, the number of kids who are struggling with stuff. And that's changed a little bit of like what the dynamic in our office looks like as we try and address those needs. So I think, you know, the, the restructure of our office, honestly, is sort of a reflection of some of that change, mm -hmm. recognizing that um, at the end of the day, mental health stuff is always sort of our first priority. Um, we have to react to and be supportive of kids when they're struggling and in a bad place. And if something gets sacrificed in that process, it's the the longer term conversations, right? Because those are always things that can wait when we've got a kid who's in a bad place, right? So I, I think the hope of some of the restructure is that that by sort of cutting the job in half a little bit, you know, we're taking people who, you know, whose sort of main focus will be more on social, emotional, and academic planning, and then another group of people who will be able to work with kids on college and career stuff more without being pulled into so much of the mental health stuff. So, Yeah, and I know especially Radnor as a public school still has a really competitive environment sometimes, and we see that a lot. So how do you sort of help kids deal with this and, like, the pressure to – do really well and succeed at Radnor when it's such a high achieving school. It's such a hard, it's such a hard thing because I think I work with so many kids who, um, who feel this need to be perfect, right? 
you know, we look at what's happening with, you know, let's look at the sort of the, the end goal, right, is college, right? And so we've got all these kids who <clears throat> see going to a super competitive college as the thing that they've been working their whole life toward. And then they make a lot of choices in terms of their day-to-day existence through high school around things like course selection, what classes we take, how competitive does my transcript look, and I'll call it sort of make sacrifices day-to-day toward that goal. And by sacrifices, I mean, you know, taking that extra AP class that they know is going to stretch them real thin and make it tough for them to sort of function in an okay way. And there's a part of me that understands that calculation, right? That gets the idea of if I want to, if I want this goal, I have to do A, B, and C to make that happen. And in some ways, that's there's truth to that, and I get it. But as someone who sees both sides of that coin, I really struggle with that. Um, I think sometimes we lose sight of how important it is to feel okay today, tomorrow, and the next day towards some goal in the future and I don't love that calculation I think I think too many of us there are too many circumstances and situations where we say I'm willing to get less sleep and feel less good about how I'm how I'm doing day to day toward this college goal and there's way too many situations where the wheels come off or where kids hit bumps in the road and you know in a vacuum could you do all those things exceptionally well for lots of our kids the answer is yes but we don't live in a vacuum and lots of times we hit bumps in the road where someone in our family gets sick or we have a breakup or (laughs) you know we get sick right so many things that can go wrong that sidetrack things and so i i am a big believer and students who come and talk to me a lot will i i hope would reinforce this or agree with this i'm a big believer in it's more important that you feel okay day to day. And if that means taking a slightly less rigorous schedule, and if that means maybe not getting into that Ivy League college, in my mind, that is a worthwhile trade-off mm. because I care a lot more about how you feel day to day. That's a much more important piece of the puzzle to me. And I practice that with my own kids. You know, like I, I It's more important to me that they are happy get through their day okay, have balance in their lives, do things that are fun and interesting, have time to spend with friends and be social and do those things because you're living your life now, you know, like your life now matters. And we, we, so many people are in this mode of what matters is what happens after I walk out the door my senior year. And it's not that that's not true. But it's it's far from the full story, and I think we lose sight of the importance of today. Right. Yeah. So. I mean, a lot of kids sacrifice so much to get into like a good college. When in reality, if like you're thinking of like you know like Ivy League schools, like schools that with like one digit acceptance rates, the reality is like you're probably it's really hard to get in those schools. Like no yeah. matter what you do, yeah, there's always this chance that you know you, you probably might not get in. Yeah. And so risking all that, it's like really. I mean, it's really risky because you really don't know what's going to happen. Well, and that's where it gets, you know, I see, and it's so interesting to me because, the, you know, a lot of times the kids who get through the process and get to the back end in spring of senior year that are most unhappy with how things turn out are those super top kids because it's not uncommon that they don't get into one of those top tier schools. And then in some ways it feels like all that work they did was for nothing. Now, mm-hmm. I, I disagree with that notion because – 
you've worked hard toward a goal and that work is rewarding in and of itself and gets you on a good path for life but you know it's it's that's really painful and hard to see when you see kids who you know are making those sacrifices year to year, day to day, mm-hmm. and don't get the thing that they're looking for. And it's part of the reason why I lean toward the other side, where for me, balance is more important. So Yeah. I was like, we just had an episode on course selection, and there's something that just, like, I remember, it sounds really weird, but every once in a while, I listen to our own episode, and I remember mm-hmm. Sophie saying, like, we are talking about, like, how, you know, when you pick your schedule, you usually think of the classes you're taking. Like, I want to take these classes, and then you figure out how you're going to deal with that later next yeah, year. Yeah, And also, like, how, like, AP classes. Like, for senior year, like, every class is open to you, so everyone's, like, trying to get more APs. Yeah. But we talked about how you should just, like, take away the AP and just look at the class itself. Would you actually like to take the class? Because a lot of kids take classes just for the AP yeah. and not actually because they want to take the course. Well, and I think, you know... One of the conversations I try and have with students when we're talking course selection is let's talk about what your day-to-day existence is going to look like with this schedule. How much homework are you going to do? What are the other factors? Are you playing a sport or do you dance? Are you in a thing? Do you have other priorities? And can you fit all that into a day? And is that what you want your life to look like, right? Especially going into senior year, like it's your last year of high school, taking seven APs and, and, and like having a day-to-day existence that looks like that I don't know that's not what I would want my senior year to look Mm -hmm. like it's not what it's not what I would wish for kids and I again I understand the calculation I just disagree with the I guess the outcome of it if that makes sense right yeah so um sort of going like along with that I know you've touched upon like college but what do you think is like the biggest misconception that kids have when they actually apply to college I think the I think the biggest challenge is to make sense of the scope of things. Mm-hmm. And I guess what I mean by that is like, you know, you're you're not just you know, when you come to school here you're competing against you know, we have so many really bright, intelligent, capable kids who work really hard and, and you know, you're sitting in a class of, you know, about three hundred kids. That, that you've sort of grown up with and know and, and you know, you see your place in that small world right but then you expand that out to realize that there are you know gosh i don't know 550 high schools in the state of pennsylvania i don't know if that number's right mm-hmm, i just sort yeah. of made that up but but then 50 states in the u.s and then kids applying from all over the world to all of these mm-hmm. schools and so when you think about the scope of you know if you flip the table and you it, and you're one of those highly competitive schools looking at this applicant pool that has kids from all over the world with varied backgrounds and interests and and who are all these amazing kids and as they try and sort of piece together a class i think sometimes you know we look at our tiny little world and lose sight of the fact that the college admissions side of that equation is vast right Mm -hmm. and so you're competing against this vast group of kids and so you know, you can be a student here who does all the right things, takes all the right classes, <clears throat> you know, has a, a super high GPA and a 1550 SAT, and frankly, just be sort of a run-of-the-mill student at those highly competitive schools. And I mm-hmm. think that's hard to wrap your head around when you're mm-hmm. the one doing the work to get to that place, right? And yeah. I just think having sort of a global scope on it can help you 
help students and parents, frankly, be a little bit more realistic about what's going to come out on the other side of that admissions process. And it feels often unfair. Like, I get it. Yeah. It's, it's not, there's nothing about this that's fair, um, but it's real. So I think we just yeah. need to be honest about what it is. Mm-hmm. So Yeah, I think, I actually, I went on tour with my mom this past weekend, because it's like President's Day weekend. And it's really hard to find, like, schools that, like, like safety schools that, like, you might know. Because a lot of the schools that we hear of every day are, like, Ivy League, you know, top 20 yeah. schools, whatever. So it's really hard to, like, get rid of that, like, perception of, oh, I know. Everyone knows all these schools. There's so many schools available yeah. that when in reality all of them are so selective. It's and, not to get into. And there's also been sort of a thinning out of the middle, too, right? Mm-hmm. So, like, some of those schools that 10 years ago, like a place like you know, Northeastern. Mm-hmm. 10 years ago, Northeastern was accepting 40% of their students, and now it's like, I don't know, 12 or 11 or 9 or something. Yeah. It's some significantly low number. So the schools that would have 10 years ago been safeties now are not anymore, right? Mm-hmm. And so we've sort of had this thinning out of the middle that makes it even a little bit more complicated. So, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. I hear so that. I was just going to ask, so counselors obviously have a lot of information about college applications that yeah. kids might not use for example, I remember I asked for like the college, like the school profile of Radnor, yeah. which I did not know of for a long time, and yeah. I feel like a lot of kids don't know. I remember getting it in class in French, and I saw it, and I was like crowding around me to see, like, oh my god, what is this? What yet? <laughs> so, what other you know inside knowledge about college applications do you think that counselors have that students usually don't take advantage of? Well, I think I think you know the thing that I think is important, or that that we try and focus so much on, is understanding process, right? Understanding all the steps of there. A, you know, there's a vast amount of information on on colleges, and I won't pretend to be someone who has an encyclopedic knowledge of every program at every school. That's not kind of you know that's not how I work. But I would say that one of the things that you know. The, the actual process of completing and submitting applications is not actually that complicated if you understand the process involved in it and and know that which pieces are sort of your responsibility. And, and frankly, one of the reasons why we're dividing, one of the reasons why we're restructuring our department for next year is because we want to do a more thorough and better job of helping kids understand how those processes work going into senior year so you feel like you understand it really, really well. And that's a gap. That's a thing that we probably haven't done as well as we could have. Um, again, we've got competing priorities that, that, have, that have sort of swayed that a little bit. But it's one of the reasons why we're making this change. So I think one of the things I would encourage kids to do, especially you know, younger kids who might be listening is, you know, work with your college and career counselors over the next couple of years so that you really understand the pieces of the puzzle and the process because it'll demystify it a little bit for you and help you feel less stressed as you're going through it because you know which buttons you need to click, which things you need to do, who you need to talk to about pieces of the puzzle to make sure everything gets there. Um, you know, I don't know that these changes are going to lead to necessarily better outcomes, right? Are we going to get more kids into Ivy League schools as a result of some of these structural changes? I don't know that that's likely going to happen. My hope would be that kids feel better informed and more confident and comfortable as they're working through the process. That would be a victory 
from my perspective, if that makes sense. Yeah, sort of like um, bouncing off of that. So we know you work with like a lot of different grades and that the guidance counselors cover like the, like all of the schools. So it's a big responsibility and we'll see sort of that change next year. But what is one big thing you think each like grade should be working on? Because I know yeah. coming in as a freshman, it's sort of scary. Like I sort of was scared at first to meet my guidance counselor. I didn't really know how to interact with that because yeah. the middle school doesn't really have a system like this. Sure. So sort of what each grade should be like yeah. sort of planning. So I think, you know, I always feel like ninth grade, you know, it's a lot of transition, right? You're coming into a new building. You go from being, you know, the oldest in eighth grade to now sort of, I don't want to say like bottom of the totem pole in ninth mm -hmm. grade, right? And I, I'm a believer in that it's important just to kind of get a solid foundation in ninth grade. You want to come in, you know, hit the ground in a solid way, learn, learn the building, learn where your academic supports are, and get a good solid academic foundation in ninth grade. Now, for some kids, that means, you know, maybe not taking five honors level classes in ninth grade and and to me that has more to do with not so much how smart you are but no, being honest with yourself about your work ethic your organizational skills the kinds of like academic skills you need to handle that well right mm -hmm. um but you know you're not going to get yourself into college in freshman year mm -hmm. but if you do really poorly you can impact what your what the rest of your options look like moving forward. So, yeah. so, so ninth grade to me is just about getting in, assessing your surroundings, figuring out who you go to for help, accessing that help, and getting as good a solid foundation as you can. Tenth grade to me is sort of a continuation of that, but a lot of times kids who will come in taking like a mixed level of classes will sort of bump the rigor of their coursework up a little bit, right? And so I, I always think like, you know, listen, if you're starting in all honors, then, you know, but but I don't love the notion of like making a huge leap in 10th grade. I think mm -hmm. it's about smart and strategic growth academically. I also think 10th grade is part of the spot where you can start to explore a little bit in terms of some of the electives that you might be able to take. Right. Yeah. So am I interested in something like engineering or the arts or music or some other thing? And trying to be thoughtful about the elective choices you make toward that. Um, you know, sort of some career exploration, some long-term thinking a little bit. Again, like I don't expect at 15 or 16 that you mm -hmm. should know what you want to do with your life, but it's about giving yourself opportunities to try and ask questions and make sense of that a little bit. Mm -hmm. You know, junior year is sort of in my head like that, that transition point where you have to really start concretely planning and thinking about the future and that can be really scary i have lots of kids who come in here in junior year when we meet and you can tell that it's really intimidating to them and sometimes i have kids who cry in those meetings because i because and you know i'll own that like when i see them feeling emotional i will sometimes scratch that a little bit because i think it's important to talk about it right yeah. and so um I have been known to, and this sounds terrible, it's not that I'm trying to make kids cry, but it's okay, like, yeah. if you're feeling <laughs> overwhelmed by it, that's important to talk about so that I can help you make sense of it and feel better about it, right? Mm -hmm. And so I think, you know, sometimes you see that fear showing up in a way that leaves kids feeling a little paralyzed, 
right? A little stuck and not sure where to go. And so, like, my goal is to just get them moving, right? Okay, Mm -hmm. let's just go look at a college. Let's, you don't have to know, right? You not knowing at 16 or 17 what the future holds for you is not a shocking development and shouldn't be surprising to anyone. And, and, you know, and so, like, I try and normalize that. Like, of course you don't know. I don't, you know, I, that, that's not, that shouldn't be weird to anyone, but let's get you moving. Let's go look at some colleges and try and move you in the right direction. And then Mm -hmm. senior year, it's just about sort of putting that plan into action, right? Yeah. You know, one of the real challenges for senior year is once you hit sort of that midway point, keeping your momentum going forward. Um, You know, we're at a point now where a lot of seniors are starting to downshift, right? They're like, okay, it's second half of senior year. I've heard from a lot of my colleges. I can start to coast a little bit. And there's danger there. You just have to be careful, right? Yeah. If you coast too much and your grades drop significantly, colleges can pull your acceptance. But there's also a thing about momentum, which is sometimes when kids shut down in the spring of their senior year, that carries over into the fall of their freshman year of college. And I Mm -hmm. see that happen where kids are like, "Ah, I kind of stopped working, got out of my good academic habits, and then I went to college and sort of continued on that path. I do think momentum is a a real and important thing. Mm -hmm. So I think it's just important to finish off the year in a solid way that where you're, you know, maybe not working at 100 miles an hour like you were all the way through school, but you're still, you know, moving things forward. Yeah. Um, I would say, I know there's, like, a lot of, like, <clears throat> labels as a freshman. Like, it's really intimidating coming to school because also, like, there's a whole thing, like, you're just a freshman, like, your first year or whatever, <laughs> whatever, which is really intimidating. But I want to say, just to anyone listening, because I know, like, like 60, I don't know, 60% of our audience is, like, teenagers, something like that. But I never remember freshman year. It was COVID, so it was kind of weird. Yeah. But, like, I was really intimidated to, to even, like, reach out to, like, resources around me yeah. because, I mean, you're just a freshman year. Like, it's, like, I'm not supposed to. It almost sounds really bad, but it's almost feel like you're not supposed to be there yet yeah. because everyone's like a seasoned veteran at the point. Yeah. But I would just say anyone listening, like, don't be afraid. You know, there's so many resources at Radnor that, you know, you just check everything out. There's so much stuff to explore. And don't let, like, your quote-unquote status as a freshman stop you from doing anything. You know, just try. If you want to, like, make a club because you're really passionate about something, just go for it. You know, you being a freshman doesn't mean you are not worth doing that sort of stuff. Totally agree. Yes. Yeah. Anyways, um, I was going to say, so as I was just talking about, like, the different resources that are in Radnor and how, like, it's kind of, like, hard sometimes to find them, what, like, resources do you think Radnor provides that a lot of students don't usually take advantage of? And, you know, I think if you, you know, we're really lucky. I mean, I think, I think, like, if you look at what some a lot of public schools have we have an immense amount of support and resource here at radnor that 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 we're really lucky to have i mean the fact that you know we have you know academic support centers in the building that are open during the day the fact that teachers will come in early and stay late and meet with kids during prep periods we have the extended learning program where kids can get free after school tutoring um you know the you know, in terms of academics, it, I sometimes will have kids who tell me like, I, I don't, there's nothing available to me. And I'm like, okay, you're not looking right. Or, or like, mm-hmm. you're just ignoring what's out there for whatever reason, because the truth is that like, oh, and lunch and learn, which is new mm-hmm. this year, right? There is lots yes. of opportunity for kids to go meet with teachers or go meet with other folks and get help. Right. So academically we have that, but I'll also say like from a mental health perspective, 
you know, we compared to most public schools have a significant amount of resources here, right? Um, in addition to, you know, we, we just brought in the two new college counselors. So we have seven high school counselors here, which is oh, a, wow. a really high number compared to like ratio wise compared to most schools. We also have, um, you know, school psychologists. We have lakeside uh like contracted counselors that work here. We have someone from the Karen Foundation who's here to work with kids who are struggling with drugs and alcohol. Now, we don't necessarily, I don't want to say we don't publicize that, but we do a little bit, but like, you know, we've got lots of kids accessing those kinds of supports and resources. And I think it's complicated, especially on the mental health side. I get that like some students come in and don't, they don't want to, mix that with school right they don't mm -hmm. want school to kind of know what's happening with them and i understand that like i'm privacy is important and I, I i respect boundaries but i also think that you know i think that if you're struggling and you need help that it's more important that we get you help than kind of worrying about that piece of the puzzle from my perspective um but gosh we have we have so much resource and that doesn't mean we're perfect right mm -hmm. um we have all that and often it doesn't feel like enough if i'm being totally honest and that's not a ding on radner that's just a reflection of the reality of sort of the world right now mm -hmm. um but there is tons of resources and help and support if kids want to engage with it and i would just say if 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 you're out there and listening and you're a student here at radner and you're not sure what to do with that then come talk to someone in the counseling office and we can help try and make connections with you th for some of that stuff. So. Right. That was a really great answer. Yeah. I didn't even know we Thanks. had all those resources. <laughs> I know. Cause we've also like talked about, like we started this podcast during COVID. So we talked a lot about mental health and yeah. we were also like incoming freshmen. So it was like, we've talked through that transition a lot and that's what one of our podcast focuses is because publicizing that is pretty important to us and yeah. like making kids feel like more aware that like, Maybe you're not alone. Like a lot of people go through this, like yeah. normalizing, normalizing it. it. Yeah, it's really important. Well, and I think I think that like, I mean, part of the challenge is a lot of times the kids that get to us who are struggling are the ones who are often really significantly struggling. That enough mm -hmm. people in their life like recognize like, ooh, you know, Will's in a really bad place right now. They come to me or, or so, you know, we get mm -hmm. lots of different sort of points where people are like, oh gosh, we need to check in on this student. But there's also a lot of kids that are sort of struggling, I'll call it undercover, yeah. right? Yeah. That don't want to talk about it or they're a little bit, you know, introverted. So them mm -hmm. not talking looks kind of relatively normal to the people around them. And that can be, that can be harder to make sense of. And, you know, so A, sometimes it's harder for us to see who some of those kids are and B, they're a little hesitant to kind of take that step to reach out for help. And C, I'll say, even though we do have a lot of resources, we probably don't have nearly enough resources for every student at Radnor High School who is struggling with their mental health right, right yeah. now. You know what I mean? Like, I think there's a ton of it, and that's real. And, and you know, so anyway, that's just, it's, yeah. it's complicated. No, even though, like, I know... A lot of kids know the resources. I mean, there's obviously more, but, like, some of the resources they know, but are you just hesitant to, you know, use them? Especially for, like, you know, counselors. Someone doesn't really want to spill their guts yeah. on the first time talking to someone. Yeah, for sure. So it's really hesitant. Yeah. So I I would just advise – I mean, you can also put your input into the, to this, too. <laughs> but, like, maybe just, like, you know, just go to your – talk to your counselor. Just, like, just to catch up with them, just, like, to meet who they are. And if you're not comfortable with, like, you know, 
spilling your whole life story. Yeah. I think it's good just like to just create a bond. Sure. And gain that sort of trust for yourself. Yeah. And then you can, you know, do everything you need. Listen, I agree. It's it's hard to be vulnerable. It's hard to walk into a room with someone you don't know all that well and spill your guts about the complicated emotional stuff you're dealing with. I, I totally get that. Um, you know, but you gotta start somewhere, right? Mm-hmm. And and um, you know, I try really hard that when kids when students do that, like to tell them how much I appreciate sort of the the bravery of that step like that's a hard it's a really hard thing to do i mean when you get you know i've been doing this a long time and so like i've seen lots of stuff right and so kids come in sometimes and will reveal something that feels to them like it's this incredible revelation and it doesn't make it less brave but it's also like you know, gosh, like I've seen this before. This isn't a shocking thing. You don't need to be embarrassed about that. I'm not appalled at the fact that you're having those thoughts in your head or that you're feeling that way. Like there's a lot of actual, I think part of it is like, you know, you talked about normalizing it, normalizing that like most people struggle with stuff, right? Most people, we look around the halls and think that everybody's got it figured out and I'm the only one who's just really in a bad place. And the reality is it's so far from the truth but we don't get that insight into other people in a lot of ways because mm-hmm. we only see them in certain situations and circumstances. We don't know what it's like for them when they go home and are in their room at night or what's going mm-hmm. on in their head. Um, so we end up feeling alone when we're you know, very far from that in terms of sharing some of those struggles and feelings. So. Yeah. So we've talked a lot about like also like some challenging things you do, but also like what do you think is like the most rewarding thing of being a guidance counselor? Oh, gosh. I I lo- like you know there's I'm you know listen I'm a people person, right? I like mm-hmm. making connections with people. And so like so sitting in and and meeting with kids over time, watching them grow and and grow up and succeed and fail and you know kind of and I won't say like, you know, you can't in my job sort of ride the roller coaster with kids because that's recipe for burnout. The reality mm-hmm. is you sort of have to stay somewhat objective and disconnected because, you know, I can't feel everything everybody's feeling all the time because there's no way I could do my job and do that. Okay, yeah. right? But like I love the opportunity to get to know kids and and to help them problem solve, whether that's small problems or big problems, to laugh with them and, you know, sometimes cry with them. Sometimes kids come in crying because they're upset about a thing, and it, you know, I have been known to sometimes cry along with kids when they come in, and I'm not embarrassed Mm -hmm. about that at all. Like, I think that's part of, like, you know, being a human being and making a human connection with the people who come in. So, like, that's the thing, that's the thing that I find most rewarding in my job. and I don't, you know, I don't have the opportunity to do that with every student I work with, um, but but enough of them that it keeps me coming back and helps yeah. me feel okay about the work that I do. So, mm-hmm. yeah, oh, that's so sweet. Okay, I like that. They uh, have one final question. It's kind of going back to college and stuff. But with like with a kid right now going through currently the college application process, I know like yeah. like thirty percent of our audience. I don't know why I know these stats so well. But like thirty percent of our audience are like adults. Yeah. So yeah, as yeah. a parent seeing the other side of the college application process. What have do you think? What have you learned? And like, oh, what gosh. advice do you, you have? No, it's great. My, so yeah, my 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 oldest daughter is a senior right now, and so like I am for the first time going through this as a parent, which frankly is 
opened my eyes to a lot of things. And I think the money, having conversations, what I would say is I started talking with my daughter when she was in seventh or eighth grade, not about no, college, yeah. right? Like not, not about like, not in that kind of way, mm -hmm. but in saying college is really expensive. You know, my wife's an elementary school teacher. You know, we make good money, but not a ton of money. We can't write a sixty or $70,000 check each year to send you to college. So money's going to be a practical and important factor in us making sense as a family of where you're going to go. And she heard that early and frequently from yeah. me. And, mm -hmm. and so, you know, what that meant was that as we were building a list of schools, as we were sort of being, you know, being thoughtful about talking about where she wanted to go and what she wanted to do, that 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 was a conversation that we could have honestly through the process and and i think that's been important for us to make sense of as as a family unit i i struggle with you know as parents we were always you know we always are okay making sacrifices for our kids but i struggle with you know i see so many people who borrow so much money to, to, to send their kids to mm -hmm. school. And that, that calculation or equation is a struggle for me. I think there are points where that makes sense and then points at which it really kind of doesn't. And so, you know, part of the ongoing conversation I've been having with my daughter, with my wife, is trying to make sense of what are our limits, right? What are we comfortable spending and not? How does that all play out in, in the big picture of, of the choice you know, we want it to be my daughter's choice, but the reality is it's partly a financial conversation that we all have to be okay with. Um, mm -hmm. Money can be a really hard thing for people to talk about. And I know it's hard for parents to open the door to that with their kids. Um, but it's also really hard, and I've seen this happen, where a kid, a student gets their, their heart set on a school and, they ha and the family hasn't had that conversation, and then it ends up in a situation where they can't afford it. Mm -hmm. And that's real. I mean, I get it. I'm, that's not me being critical of the family, but, it's, but part of it is being willing to have that difficult conversation earlier in the process so that you're all on the same page about it. Um, you know, one of the strategic things we did with my daughter was really only applied to safety or, or likely schools with her trying to maximize the likelihood of getting some scholarship money, right? So her GPA is like a point higher than most of the schools that she's looking for. We didn't apply. To, she's an excellent student, but we didn't apply to like any of those super top tier places, though it's possible she could have gotten into some of them. Who knows, right? But like, mm -hmm. but I knew that those sort of likelier safety schools were the ones who were going to give her pretty significant scholarship money and that's played out i mean it's happened in that way now it still means we're on the hook for a lot of money to pay for school but it's a more manageable amount of money that we can reasonably make sense of and figure out than sitting here having to pay 60 or seventy thousand dollars a year out of pocket which honestly just mm -hmm. wouldn't be so so anyway i know that's messy and that's complicated and that's hard to do but that's the thing that I feel like has helped my family navigate the messiness of this process in an okay way that we're kind of all rowing in the same direction, right? Mm -hmm. we're, we're supporting each other in making sense of how to make these choices that are both sort of best for what my daughter wants and best for us as a family to have it happen in a way that we can live with and still 
you know, pay the bills and eat dinner and yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> do, do all the things that, yeah, that you need like, to do, right? I mean, yeah, that's important yeah, too. Yeah. Yeah. That was, this was, this was really good. We Thank you so much yeah, for answering our questions. I, no this worries. Also helped probably both of us. Like, I definitely <laughs> learned some insight. And I bet you uh, some of the parents listening also probably yeah. really enjoyed this. And we just want to thank you so much yeah. for your time and for being here. All Can I say one more thing? Yeah. Just as yes, sort of like for a wrap sure. Okay. So, like, if I had one message that I wanted to give to, like, students, right, is mm-hmm. – and some people will hear this and some won't and some will hear it and won't care and that's okay but is and i said this earlier but i feel like it's it's it would be like the overall message i would want to give is how you feel today matters mm-hmm. right the choices you make in terms of your day-to-day existence in life don't lose sight of don't lose sight of feeling okay today toward some goal that may or may not happen right Mm-hmm. Um, I'm not saying don't work hard. Those you can work hard. You can take hard classes. You can try really hard and be a really good student and a good worker, and keep some balance in your life that allows you to maintain some sanity and some okay stuff in terms of like how you feel about your world, right? I, I mm-hmm. too many of us in this environment. There's so much intensity and and competitiveness here about what school you get into and where you go don't lose sight of feeling okay about where you are today and what you're doing and like that's that feels to me like the message that's most important for people to hear right now because I know a lot of people don't do that um and I think that can make a big difference in terms of battling some of those mental illness struggles that kids are having because everybody feels like they have to be perfect they have to do all of it perfectly well and if they don't they're a failure and it's so far from the truth of of what it is right like it just is you don't have to be perfect it's okay to fall down and to struggle and to have a bad test or a bad grade in a class and your life moving forward is not going to be irreparably harmed as a result of that um it's all really okay. So, yeah, yeah. I think we'll end it on that note because that was really good wrapping up. So, thank you all so much for listening. Make sure to subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Anchor, or any other listening platform you may use, and follow us on Instagram at Deep Dives Podcast. And we'll see y'all next time. Bye. Bye.